Hi everyone, welcome or welcome back to the United Citizens of Europe podcast. This is Luca and today we interview Remy Bonny, who is an activist and the executive director of the foundation called Forbidden Colors. Remy and I will talk about the foundation, the LGBT free zones and what the European Union is doing to, to protect the LGBTI community. Hi Remy. Hi Luca. Um, why don't we start the interview by talking about you? So who you are, what is your role in the organization and where do you come from? Uh, yeah, so first of all, thank you for having me. Uh, it's a great honor to be on your podcast. Um, I am Remy Boni. I'm 26 years old. I am based in Brussels and I'm the executive director um, of Forbidden Colors. Um, and Forbidden Colors is basically an, a foundation, an EU-wide foundation, uh, to create a link between the corporate worlds and the uh, LGBTIQ movements. Um, because uh, as many of, or as you probably also know, uh, over the last years, we've seen many uh, international corporations standing up for LGBTQ rights uh, by, for instance, when it's Pride, having nice rainbow t-shirts and so on. But what we say, and we are a bit assertive, uh, assertive in that, is that, I mean, it's all fine to have a nice marketing campaign, but, um, but the profit that you make on behalf of our community, some of that profit indeed also needs to flow to the movement. So that's why we knock on the doors of, of, of companies, of big corporations, telling them, that we want to cooperate with them um, to make sure that uh, that 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 some of these money of the money that, that that these corporations are making is actually flowing also to to the LGBTQ movement. That's one of the things that we are doing as as forbidden colors. But we are also of course um, reaching out to private funders. We are a philanthropy organization. Um, so our main goal is actually to 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 uh, financially support LGBTQ organizations all across Europe. Uh, to to yeah, make them more sustainable uh, and more um, active within the political climate that we have today in Europe. And what about you? Like, what is your role in the organization, and where do you come from? Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm I'm executive director of the organization. Um, I'm I'm Belgian. Uh, I have a background um, in uh, political science and human rights uh, academically. Um, so I've been working before already. Uh, together with uh, members of the European Parliament, um, for instance, to um, to to yeah, for instance, uh, declare the European Union LGBTIQ freedom zone, uh, to um, yeah, and all all kinds of of of, of legal work concerning LGBTIQ people uh, inside the European Union. But my main focus over the last years was basically Poland and Hungary. Um, I was one of the main figures behind the LGBT free zone campaign, well, behind the advocacy, of course, <laughs> against the LGBT free zone campaign in, um, in Poland. Um, and um, and uh, yeah, I've been working quite a lot on Hungary as well. Um, my main research topics were basically uh, focused on, on, on on how uh, the the international relation or how international relations shape the demands of LGBTIQ people, um, and um, one of my main topics in my research there was, for instance, how Russia has infiltrated an anti-LGBTQI movements in Europe, and um, where I, for instance, found out that the Hungarian State Secretary for Family Affairs, Katalin Novak, um, has direct contacts with Russian intelligence officials during. Um, anti-LGBT international anti-LGBTIQ and uh, anti-abortion conferences. Um, the same goes for other Yuris in Poland and so on. So my main focus before I became ex- executive director for being called was basically, um, yeah, doing this research on 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 the opposition forces towards LGBTIQ people. 
because of course, if we want to strive for more equality, we at least need to know who our opposition is. And that's the kind of knowledge, the kind, the kind of knowledge that also um, I, 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 I made myself uh, over the last over the last years is also the knowledge that I'm using now in my job, of course, as executive director, because this knowledge that we have, that I have now is where I want to implement. And uh, but we also need to use this knowledge to more strategically invest in LGBTIQ projects uh, in the European Union. Yeah. And what made you uh, want to work for uh, Forbidden Colors? Yeah, um, well, it's basically one of the practical reasons because before I've been I've been working quite a lot, uh, as I told you, with 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 the European Parliament, with with civil society in Central and Eastern Europe. And um, but one of the main struggles that we always have as LGBTIQ movement is basically that we that we just cannot sustain ourselves. Is that um, all LGBTIQ organizations, even the big ones uh, in Central and Eastern Europe, they are. Um, they are based on on volunteers, uh, and I mean, I mean, I love I, I love working with volunteers, and I've been a volunteer quite quite a while in my life as well. Um, but if you want to sustain and make your organization, your movement more sustainable, at some point you need to have more professionals as working as well, um, because otherwise, yeah, you know how volunteers work. It's that's. That's something that changes every five, six months. Uh, not, not all people can commit a full-time voluntary experience or com com can combine voluntary experience with, with a full-time job, for instance. Um, so, so yeah, if we want to become more professional, more sustainable as an LGBTQ movement, we need to gather more money, basically. So that's, that's, that's the main reason why, actually, I, I, I accepted this job. Interesting. Let's now talk about the, um, the foundation. What does it stand for and what is the goal of Forbidden Colors? I mean, you said it a bit before, but maybe we can go more in, in detail now. Yeah. So first of all, as I said uh, already very in general, the, the, the goal of Forbidden Colors is, is, is to make the LGBTIQ movement financially more sustainable uh, in Europe. Um, and then more in practice, that's, that's, then that means that we want to uh, to, to convince first and also to, to create a possibility for LGBTIQ organizations to have a more diversified budget, because nowadays uh, the LGBTIQ organizations that budgets are mostly coming or in Western Europe from uh, governments and or in Central and Eastern Europe for one or two um, private donors. Um, so yeah, imagine, and that's what that's actually something that happened very recently to a few big LGBTQ organizations in Central and Eastern Europe. That's that this one private donor decides that they are going to withdraw their money uh, because, of course, COVID nineteen happened. There's a financial crisis going on. Um, well, that actually means that you need to stop all your activities. So um, one of the things that we, of course, want to uh, help LGBTIQ organizations with is to create a more diversified budget. So that's why we are reaching out. We are reaching out to several companies, to several pri private donors, uh, that we want to combine all of these efforts and that um, LGBTIQ organizations can actually, uh, when they apply to a fund for it, from us, be sure that, that, that they will get the money actually. Um, so that's, um, of course, uh, the first thing that we are going uh, that we are trying to do. And the second thing is also um, since um, we are talking about more sustainability, we as, as Forbidden Colors also want to share the best practices 
uh, that LGBTIQ organizations uh, across Europe are doing. Um, I want to give you one subject, one, one example, basically. Um, in Poland, we financially supported earlier this year and what's what they call an LGBTI friendly school ranking, basically a ranking, uh, a survey of uh, amongst pupils 15 to 17, 15 to 19 years old uh, in all of Poland, um, where they can basically rank their school um, on how good their, their school is doing on um, uh, on LGBTIQ inclusiveness. So, um, so what uh, this, this project got so much press uh, media attention in Poland and tens of thousands of students actually filled in the survey. Um, there are really nice conclusions out of, uh, that we can draw from, from it. So this is really a best practice. And we see that, especially in a country like Poland where LGBTIQ people are so much under pressure by the government, we see actually that a project like this is actually changing something for the goods on, on the ground. Um, so why wouldn't we do it in other countries then? Why wouldn't we try to establish this in other countries? So that's why we've decided now to start also a fundraising campaign uh, to, for instance, also uh, start this LGBT-friendly school ranking in a country like Belgium. Because we also think that if it, if it works in Poland, Central, European, Central Eastern European member states, then it should also work in Western Europe. And if we have the case of Belgium, and, um, and, and, uh, and Poland, then we can also go for it to the European Commission and say and tell them, look, we have two cases, both successful. Um, if you want to have more LGBTI equality in schools, you should consider funding uh, and seriously funding then uh, an LGBTI-friendly school ranking all over Europe. So, um, so yes, one of the goals is also of, of forbidden colors is also just to make sure that these pra best practices are being shared and also being um, established in all the member states of the European Union. Uh, and then third is that we really go to companies, uh, that's part of our fundraising campaigns, of course, but that we also go to companies and tell them, look, it's nice that you have these rainbow t-shirts, that you have a car wrapped in, uh, in, in rainbow colors, but, um, I mean, you're free to do that, but you uh, should also, uh, send part of the, of the profits that you are making on behalf of our community to the people who are standing up for this community. Um, and that's where we try to be the link uh, uh, between the companies and between and between the LGBTIQ movements. Um, and we are literally telling them, look, send part of, the, of your profits to us. We are going to make sure that these profits are going to flow into the movements. Um, and in return, we also provide, for instance, consultancy uh, to these organizations, to companies, um, on how to have a more um, have a more inclusive HR, human resource um, uh, policy, for instance. Uh, yeah. So, um, so yeah, these are literally the three main uh, priorities that we have as forbidden course. And so, basically, are you also an advocacy group, or? Well, um, of course. It would be a bit stupid to say that we are not an advocacy group, but you cannot compare us with, for instance, with for instance, Ilga Europe. The Ilga Europe, mm -hmm. uh, the International Lesbian and Gay Association, their uh, departments in, in Europe, they have full-time lobbyists uh, at the European Parliament and at the European Commission and the member states and so and so on. Of course, I do also do have a lot of contacts with policymakers, but not to the same extent as Ilga Europe does. Uh, this is not our main goal. Um, Ilga Europe are the advocacy groups 
uh, and we work behind the scenes to make sure that uh, an, an organization like ILGA Europe is able to do that job uh, as, as being can have a more well at this moment we are not financially supporting ILGA Europe but ILGA Europe could be for instance a financial partner for us uh, that we that we reach out to them and tell them look this is with this money you can also make your, your own budget more diverse and so on um, so yes uh, that's also something that we always that I always say is that we are basically not an LGBTI organization we are an organization working for the LGBTI community. We are not representatives of the LGBTI community. I am gay myself, but our board members or board members are also gay, but we're all white gay men. Um, so it's not that we are a representation of the LGBTIQ community, uh, not at all. Um, we are actually trying to use our privileges that we have as white gay men to make sure that more people and the wider LGBTIQ community actually can also get these privileges. So, um, so yeah, uh, it's an that's an important distinction in my opinion to say that we are not an LGBTI organization. We are supporting LGBTI organizations. Yeah, this actually takes me to something you uh, you have on your website um, where it says that uh, you're committed in having more diversity in your organization. Um, can you elaborate on on this? Yeah. yeah, so as, as I was saying, basically, um, well, of course, uh, we are not an LGBTI organization, so we should not try to be rep uh, representatives of the, LG of, of the community. But at the same time, having diversity within your organization is also, even without being an LGBTI organization, very important. And at this very moment, as LGBTI, as, as Forbidden Colors, we are actually, uh, our boards, for instance, or, or myself as exec executive director, we are all white gay men. Um, and of course, to some extent, the 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 the, um, the 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 things that we ask to become a board member, for instance, of course, you are a business leader, you are a member of the LGBTI community, and you can also financially contribute um, to a certain extent, and it's most of the time um, above five hundred euros a year um, to 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 the organization, which of course makes it very difficult for certain groups within the LGBTIQ community. And it is, of course, unfortunately, a social reality that the people within the LGBTIQ community who are able to, 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 to yeah, adhere basically to, 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 this, to, this, to, this, to what we ask to become board member are white gay men. And then, of course, you can ask you, uh, yourself as an organization, Shouldn't you just change your rules so that, it, that people that it's more accessible? But then again, it comes to the discussion um, where we say, yeah, but we actually want to get the money from the, the, the richer uh, gay community then mainly, so we can actually make uh, the, LG, the LGBTIQ community more privileged and give, well, not give them privileges, but make them more equal. Um, and uh, there, of course, there is this. There we very much have a discussion. Of course, that's that's. I mean, yeah, it's just difficult to 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 find uh, non uh, male, non cis male uh, gay men to become a board member. We have reached out to several people already, uh, um, uh, both lesbian, trans people. Uh, but they, for the, the ones that we uh, first of all reached out to, declined. So of course, I mean, it's the, you cannot you can, you cannot make somebody uh, become member of your organization, uh, and so or oblige somebody to become member of your organization. Um, but and but yeah, we are very open actually to people to business leaders uh, who are non 
non-cis male uh, and non-gay uh, to become board to become board member and we are having an open call at this very moment actually um where we actually say that at this point we have uh, six board members but we have room to 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 add four more board members according to our statutes um, and uh, we made the pledge that we are not going to um, to to hire any other board board member who is who is who is who is a male uh, who is white uh, uh, well who is male white and, and and gay at the same time um, so uh, and that everybody anybody who feels uh, that they should join this organization that they should reach out to us with, and sending their CV uh, and of course we have this open call where people can 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 send their CVs to but I'm also reaching out to to a few people uh, myself because we have to be proactive in this as well because I feel that and I, and I believe and I'm really convinced that diversity within an organization is crucial uh, even given the the, the the difficulties that we as an organization of course have to 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 to, to be more diverse yeah um okay i i actually now want to ask you about your uh your work because you basically uh, are a foundation you give out uh grants what are the criteria for uh giving out grants because uh, now you're you're talking about diversity you talked about how you're committed in diversity so i guess like at least in your grant giving you diversity is one of your indicators Yes, that's something that you can see. I mean, on, on our team page, it's all uh, uh, cis male, white men. But uh, and uh, if you look to our action page and the, and the project that we have supported over the last one and a half year, basically, since we since Forbidden Colors was established, um, then um, then you will easily see that, that we, for instance, support uh, queer refugee networks, uh, that we support uh, rainbow senior groups, that we support um, trans group that we even supported, a French project where they go to Togo to create a shelter and so on, um, that we also support, uh, as I was saying before, an LGBT friendly school ranking in Poland. So that, that the project that we select are obviously very diverse already. Um, and I mean, that's of course a, a, one of the main criteria also when we select several projects, because most of the time when we do a project call, we select several projects. Um, at the same time, and there we make sure that there is a certain diversity um, that we that we can select as well. Uh, we don't have specific rules on there because sometimes um, you need to be able to flexible with, with, with these rules, especially if, if an emergency comes up comes up somewhere. Uh, UT quickly supports uh, a certain project. Um, then, if you are yeah, bumped. By, by 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 rules by certain rules then of course um um yeah it's difficult to support these emergencies as well while we actually do want to support emergencies whenever it's necessary but uh overall um our uh, criteria are first of all it should be a european project um because we also believe that uh, since we are based in europe and we see that a lot of things are going wrong inside europe um we first need to 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 bring order to our own problems before we go to solve the, the problems of the rest of the world um so that's the first criteria uh, be based in europe with your projects um and then uh, you need to be able to provide a lot of transparency we, we work together um with the king boudouin foundation that's belgium's and one of europe's biggest uh, philanthropy organizations um which provides a lot of um trans which needs a lot of transparency 
to be able to 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 get basically get the funds so you need to prove every single invoice you need to be able to prove uh, every single cost that you are making uh, both before you um, apply and uh, even when you when you when you send back the, the the final report after you did the projects because with the Kingwood Foundation we actually have the um, the possibility to 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 make to 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 ask back the money uh, when uh, organizations are not able to provide uh, all of this so it's also very ethically important for us of course to 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 have this transparency um, because we know from from philanthropy projects before and that's not just about LGBTIQ rights uh, specifically but with philanthropy projects all around Europe that sometimes uh, yeah quite a lot of money has been lost uh, because of corruption and so on so that's why we work so closely together with an organization like uh, the King Woodware Foundation, which is actually quite conservative organization. If you look to if you look to Belgian history, um, because I mean King Woodware, I mean uh, he uh, himself was a member of the royal family, of course, which is a conservative family. Well, nowadays they change they change a bit, but at least when he was living, he was a very conservative guy. Um, I'm not so sure that he would be so so happy now that his foundation now uh, is hosting an LGBTQ project. But anyway, um, it's them being this conservative organization. I mean, conservative in a way of of dealing with finances now, mainly then makes it for us also very, very, uh, makes it for us more difficult first. Um, but this difficulty also makes sure that this uh, we need to provide all of this transparency. Uh, and this transparency, especially in philanthropy work, it's very important. Uh, yeah. Otherwise you lose way too much money and also credibility, of course. So the organization started in 2020 during a global pandemic, basically. Did the initial focus uh, shift? Are you now funding more projects to prevent youth homelessness or project about mental health or something along those lines? Now, basically what we decided for this year is actually that we are going to, to um, only focus uh, and, and support uh, projects um, working on education. Um, so we, for, I give you, I've given you the example of the LGBT friendly school project in Belgium. We also want to create an LGBT friendly school ranking and, um, and well, no, the one in Poland we already finance and we are going to support one in, in Belgium as well. So we are going to focus on education. And that's basically, um, we, want, we don't want to be a, def a defensive organization. We don't want to be um, a reactionary organization. We want to create equality. We want to, or at least fund the creation of equality and be very much proactive in this. Um, and an LGBT friendly school ranking is not a reaction to something, but it is a creation of equality. So, um, so that's why uh, we don't specifically are going to support um, at this point, uh, at least. I don't say that at some point we're not going to do because of practical reasons that we are in a need of doing that. But at this point, it's not the idea to 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 to, to support. Uh, projects around homelessness and so on. Uh, also because often projects like homelessness can apply for uh, other funding as well, because there are quite a lot of funds already about homelessness, but not that much funds on LGBTIQ rights. So for instance, it's, it's also from a practical point of view important, of course, to, to then select the projects uh, that actually cannot apply somewhere, somewhere else for funding. Um, yeah.
So, uh, so it, no, we're not going to be reactionary to the to the, the financial crisis or to the to the crisis linked to the global pandemic, uh, um, because we need to. Yeah, that's been the problem that we've seen in countries like Poland way too much that we are too defensive and we are not proactive anymore. So, um, so we need to become a proactive movement again, especially in Central and Eastern Europe. Yeah. I don't recall by looking at your website, but yeah, now in terms of diversity, like geographical diversity, do you fund like projects in all, like all over, from all over Europe or? We, we do do it uh, from all over, we, we, well, that's the idea. And of course, we are doing it all over Europe. Um, there is, um, I mean, I cannot talk too much about it, but we are going to set up a parliamentary fund later on, uh, which is going to select every year five different projects from five different from the five different regions and and europe so western europe southern europe uh, eastern europe central europe and northern europe um, so there you will see that's 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 that it's very much already um, yeah then we that we are really trying to do to, to also geographically create the diverse projects um, but on the other hand we are strategically investing uh, so it's I mean, to some extent, it's also good to say that some countries need more investing than others. Uh, so, so to again make too much rules, uh, to make too much rules around it. I mean, I would be stupid if you have five thousand euros or I have ten thousand euros, and that the rule says that you have to spend five thousand euros in Poland and five thousand euros in Belgium. I try to spend nine thousand euros in Poland, so that is going, it's going to make much more difference. Um, than that than in Belgium. Well, of course, there is all, everywhere in Europe there are a lot to do. Uh, so we should not turn a blind eye uh, yeah. to to the situations that we have in, in in Western Europe either. So one of the main issues, I mean, you're uh, bringing it up quite often, of course. One of the main issues for the European queer community uh, is the existence of the LGBT free zones. The fact that they exist is basically a reminder for all of us that. Um, we should not take for granted what we accomplish. So what is your take on on these issues? I mean, of course, like you already said that you're uh, funding some uh, projects in uh, in Poland. Yeah, well, very clearly. And I mean, that's more political, of course, where I am in there. And now maybe I'm a bit too, I mean, I have a background of being advocate as well. So so sometimes it's a bit difficult to not, be, to not do too much advocacy. But for me, the LGBT free zones are just, and a consequence of what of what we as a European Union, what the European Commission has allowed for many years. The European, we, we know that in countries like Poland and Hungary, um, the, the, the democratic decline, the attacks on the rule of law, uh, the attacks on press freedom, the attacks um, on academic freedom are going on already for 10 years. Uh, and it's not that new of a of a thinking of, of, of a view on, on autocratic developments that at some points autocrats or politicians with autocratic tendencies are going to pick a scapegoat. And that's what we've seen now in Poland and Hungary, is that both the both the Hungarian and Polish governments are picking LGBTIQ people um, as a scapegoat to yeah to basically say that LGBTIQ people are the internal enemy of the state and that they are overthrowing uh, traditional family values blah 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 and the basically the whole states that's what they are that, that's what they are saying um, and uh, yeah both the LGBT free zones in Poland and the the, the constitutional amendments in, in Hungary to to basically ban um, legal gender changes and uh, adoption by same gender couples well 
that's 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 just a consequence of what the European Union and the European Commission in particular has allowed for over 10 years now. We as activists already say for over 10 years that, that, that the Commission needs to prevent um, these things from being from being happening. We are asking for over three years already to uh, to uh, to the Commission uh, to start an infringement procedure against Poland and against Hungary for their actions taken against LGBTIQ people. The very fact the European Commission is not taking these actions is allowing Orban and Kaczynski of doing it. Um, so yes, I mean we can all point fingers to Poland and to Hungary for doing. Uh, what we've seen, what we what we have been seeing over the last years, and of course, uh, 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 I, I'm not agreeing with Kaczynski and Orban, but actually, we as European Union, then we allowed it for many years. So the so the real reason why autocrats are able to attack LGBTIQ people are is just the silence of the European Commission. Um, so if you want to do something. Uh, to, to support LGBTIQ people in Poland and Hungary, how we need to direct our attention also to the European Commission, because sorry, but they have the duty to be a guardian of the treaty of the European the treaties of the European Union. And the treaties clearly say that fundamental rights for all EU citizens need to be guaranteed by the member states. Um, and yeah, if they don't give any follow-up on attacks on these fundamental rights of, for instance, LGBTIQ people, then in my opinion, the very core of what the European Union is, is, is in danger. Um, because the European Union, the European project in, in general, as a project of peace, of democracy, of human rights. Um, it's, I mean, all, a lot will say that it's just an economic union, but an econ even an economic union does not exist with common values. And if the European Union is not able to is not able to stand up for these values, well, uh, then they are basically digging their own grave, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I just wanted so, to yeah. I just wanted to add that uh, you know, of course, um, this issue, uh, as you were you were saying, has been there for a long time. But you know, with the new commission, with von der Leyen's commission, we um, we have a commissioner for equality that you know already put out um, an LGBTI strategy uh, 2020 2025, um, which has never been done before. So it's already like, I would say, a first step. Um, and I think like, yeah, I mean, of course, the LGBT free zones have been a wake up call, because, um, of course, von der Leyen has addressed in in multiple speeches that you know the LGBT free zones are not something that you know we should be seeing in the European Union. To kind of go back to what you said, uh, of course this is a reactive action and not uh, proactive. Um, <laughs> but you know, like the, the yeah, issue but, but, but like, you know, I mean, even with the, I mean, I very much applaud the European Commission for do for doing this. Of course, I mean, the LGBTIQ free, uh, LGBTIQ equality strategy as the very first time that they that they that they launched the strategy. I mean uh, Ursula von der Leyen during her State of the Union in September also clearly said that LGBTIQ freedom zones are humanity free, free zones and blah blah blah. But at this point it's not coming to action. It's mm -hmm. all nice words. And uh, yes the European Commission is probably the most progressive uh, commission if it comes to LGBTIQ rights that we ever had. But we don't need nice words. There is the Freedom House, uh, one of those organizations who is every year making a big study on the state of democracy all around the world, is now saying that Hungary is not even a democracy anymore. So we have autocrats, autocratic governments inside the European Union. 
we are, I mean, it's, it's, there's no time to wait anymore. The, the, you can, nice words and, and the, the words that they are, that they are speaking out at this, at this very moment, just empty words. So it's time for the European Commission to stand up for, for, to stand up and take action against those two member states, because otherwise we will have two full-fledged dictatorships inside the European Union. Because let's be clear about this, what we see happening in Hungary and in Poland is not something new. It's not mm -hmm. the first time that LGBTIQ people in, in Europe have been scapegoated. Not so long ago, 10 years ago, Russia did exactly the same. And Viktor Orban is just copy-pasting what Russia has been doing. So we don't want a Russia inside the European Union. Well, but now, like, uh, we also have the um, human rights clause on uh, linked to the funds. Um, and again, LGBT Yes, but they are also, again, I mean, again, the rule of law clause to uh, link to the funds is not being used. Actually, today, Politico reported that the European Parliament is considering legal action against the European Commission. Mm -hmm. um, because the rule of law clause is not being used. It's been there since, since December. I mean, how much more studies do they need to prove that, that Hungary and Poland are actually attacking the rule of law? It's, I, I mean, if you, if you don't know it by now, you're never going to know it. So, so, so yes, the, what, what we see that is happening now is actually that the European Commission is just doing dereliction of duty. That's what they are doing. They are not following up on their duties. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, and I very much applaud the European Parliament for today because they really announced that if the Commission is not announcing uh, action within the rule of law framework um, provided uh, and linked to the multi-annual financial framework um, as, uh, that they are going on the 1st of June uh, going to start a procedure at the European Court of Justice. Uh, and I very much applaud that. It's the very first time that the, that the European Parliament will do that. It's a huge step. But we've been waiting way too long for now. So if, if the Commission is not taking the step, then we indeed need from the European Parliament legal action. Okay, so uh, let's go back to the uh, to the foundation. So we always ask this um, when we interview organizations. So I'll be asking this for you too. Are you looking for interns or volunteers? Yeah, well, I mean, we're still a young organization, um, and we are do of course we do of course are looking. Uh, into uh, intern volunteers and um, at this point we are mainly looking to volunteers um, because um, for, uh, and I'm very much convinced of the of the practice that if you if you hire an intern or a trainee uh, you need to be able to provide him or she at least some kind of scholarship or grants and at this moment we are not able financially to do that. Um, so as long as that's not possible, then we're not going to hire trainees either. Uh, volunteers are of course always welcome uh, and they can reach out to our contact details on our website forbiddens-college.com. Um, but but uh, interns, uh, even if they even if they send me their service and they say that they want to work for free for me, uh, I'm very much convinced that, uh, of the principle that a trainee should not, uh, should not work for free. Sorry. Um, um, yeah, because that creates only uh, uh, even more inequality uh, in the yep. world, and only and only people who are already rich can be a, a trainee for free. So yeah, the, the, that's where we have a very where we have a very uh, yeah, clear principle: we don't hire trainees as long as we cannot pay them. Okay, good. I mean, I guess you're one of the few in uh, Brussels. <laughs> um, so, do you have anything else you want to promote? 
Um, yeah, of course. I mean, go to our website, forbidden-colors.com, uh, and we have this education fundraiser uh, for the LGBT-friendly school rankings all around Europe at the moment running on our website. Uh, so people who can, please, you can donate from five euros. Uh, if you donate more than 40 euros, um, and several members of the European Union, they, they are listed on our website, you get a 45% uh, tax cut as well. Um, so uh, go to a website and if you feel free uh, and if you have the money, uh, donate, of course. Uh, and otherwise, you can always uh, support us by liking our social media, of course, uh, which are also linked to our website. So you will easily find that out there. Okay. Thank you very much for being our guest. It was very really lovely talking to you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Bye.